Good afternoon, everyone. It is Leanne Antoine. I am here as your guest host every second Tuesday of the month, right here on uh, Chew It Over. I love the consistent nature of Jack's effort and energy uh, every week, every day, sorry, on the, on the show. And he always has so many splendid guests who really do help to open up our mind, our thought processes about the way, the direction for physiotherapy, the way that it's currently moving forward and just challenging us to think about things in our everyday life. Um, today, I actually don't have a guest. Gosh, I'd forgotten my, my, um, my graphic there. I don't actually have a guest host uh, today. You are going to be beautifully graced with me for 30 minutes of conversation. And actually, a little bit of me thought, can I talk for 30 minutes? Will people want to listen to what I've got to say for 30 minutes? How will, how will what I say be received? Um, but what I'm hoping for and what I'm asking right out of the gate, as Paul Carrick Brunson says, is I'm asking for some engagement right from the get-go. So if you're listening, if you're watching, tell me where you're listening from. Tell me how you are. How's your day been? I'd love to kind of get a feel for who's about um, and, and just... I really want some engagement on this on this show if I can get it right. Um, if you can't see the title, the title today is all about a legacy for change, and this particular topic has come up when the has come up through the Charter Society of Physiotherapy, asking me to do a talk to to members about a legacy for change. Now. For most of you, you will know that a legacy for change is a commemorative day following the murder of Stephen Lawrence, and it was set up on the 25th anniversary of his murder. And the day was very much, my understanding from Doreen Lawrence, um, was that, I know she's been knighted, I think, was that we she wanted people to... Um, commemorate the day by looking at what they were doing to commemorate um, a legacy for change. But what was society doing? So in my mind, yes, it's Dame, Dame Doreen Lawrence. In my mind, I didn't want this conversation just to be about the legacy for change just for black people, you know, with the fact that I'm black, but I also wanted to discuss the fact that what are we all doing to create a legacy for change in our world? What does that, not just for black people, like I said, but for everyone. Now, I constantly say when we bring up certain issues around uh, race, uh, around the minority groups that we have discussed in the past, LGBTQI, um, people who might have been Im immigrants. When we talk about lots of different groups of, of minorities, 
the reasons why so many of these groups exist is because those people in those groups need support so that their voices can be heard, right? That's the reason that they exist. If the people within those groups felt like there was enough support, maybe they wouldn't need to exist. Please feel free to, to add to the comments, as I've said, if there's anything you want to challenge or question or anything you want to contribute. But one of the things for me about the groups is that within that, within those groups, we are then having certain conversations about topics that are impacting whoever the minority group is, right? I know for a fact when I um, trained to become a physio, the numbers that we think we have now at 1.9% of of um, physiotherapists being black chartered physios, that number was probably substantially lower. And we are talking about 15 years ago, right? I know I don't look old enough. <laughs> but what the talk made me think about was, yeah, it made me think about a little bit about topics to do with allyship. But it made me think about the need for the group in the first place and then it made me think about some of the work that I've done in schools to try and raise visibility of the profession, raise visibility of my business, raise the visibility of what I'm doing as a black female professional and I wondered whether you know there were professionals who had wanted to do this in this space before, you know, before me, and they just didn't have the opportunity. So I know that I'm doing stuff in, or have done stuff in schools and continue to do work in schools to inspire and to, to impact students. And that has led into me doing some corporate work as well. But I feel like if the conversations were being readily and actively had, we wouldn't be in the space where these groups feel like they need to be visible, vocal, or where we're having to create policies and strategies and things like that. Now, I understand that policies, strategies, etc., are all needed and they help us to govern what we are doing. I 100% see the benefit of them. What I'm saying is some of these things have been built out of the fact that people just haven't had the support. So as I think about us talking about a legacy for change, I want people to think about what they're doing, not just within physiotherapy, but also what they're doing within their day-to-day -day life to consider what they're doing to impact that. How are we all doing our bit to raise the visibility on what happened to Stephen Lawrence on that day, 22nd of April, 1993. Now, for me, I had, I had explained to somebody through the, the pandemic and when the Black Lives Matters protests 
um, were arising or there was uprising, you know, particularly in, in the States. I'd had a conversation with a few physios, several conversations with several different physios about certain things that people felt like they could do to to help the situation or how could they in their day-to-day -day lives impact um, this matter, even if it was just small, making small changes. And one of the things I rose was, why don't you buy? Why don't, why is it okay to see a white lady on the front of my birthday card or my Christmas card? But when you go to the shop, you can't see a black lady on the front of the same Christmas card or birthday card. So, and I challenged a couple of the physios in terms of, if it's my birthday, do you buy me a card with a white person on the front and give it to me and that's acceptable? And if I was giving you a card with a black person in the, on the front of it, but you were white, Chinese or whatever it was, would that then be acceptable? You definitely notice it was different, right? You, you would definitely be like, yeah, that's different. But also we know that there's a real lack of availability of this type of stationery. So these conversations that I've had with physios have been no different to conversations I've had with friends. And this then rose the situation where a friend went to buy me a birthday card. My birthday was last month and she wanted to buy me an ethnic card, a card with a black person on the front. And she explained the difficulty that she had to find a card with a black person on the front. And then it took her down a whole rabbit hole of going onto Etsy, finding independent retailers. I know Afro Touch Design um, is a black business and it's about to be launched in Selfridges. I also know Quiche Noir, again, they do cards, they do wrapping paper. Um, and more locally or local to where I live, Kamari, Kamare Mosaics also does um, this type of ethnic stationery. But if I'm not signposting you and you have to actively find these things, you have to go out and actively find them yourself, it can be quite, it can be quite daunting, it can be quite a challenge, right? So I spoke about this just as an example. If you are a parent and there are 30 kids in a class and people buy a kid a card, what card do you buy for that child who is of a different racial background or religious background? All of these little things help us, I think, to create a legacy for change. Now, when I've gone out to do the work I've done in schools, talking to students, I did not think about it in terms of me creating a legacy for change. But I understand that over the last six or so years, that is something I have done. There are certain schools every single year, they will ask me to come back. Can I repeatedly come back? Can I present? Can I talk to parents? Can I talk to students? Can I have my email available, accessible, so that people can reach out to me? It's helped me to even connect with people on LinkedIn just through that work. And I have not even really thought about it as something I was doing to create a legacy for change. It's just something I've been doing. 
a lot of it came out of the fact that I grew up and I realized that I didn't see professionals coming to the school talking about what they did, how they did it, what you could aspire to. The core subjects or the core things that people would go on to study, like medicine or nursing or being a lawyer, those things people knew about. So why would we bring people in to tell you about them, right? Things like physio or just allied health in general was not something that I saw as being visible. So in my mind, the way that we could help to drive physiotherapy as a profession was to be visible. Additionally, I also remember in qualifying, there were not enough physiotherapists. There was a drive for an increased number of physiotherapists. So again, I feel like if you're making this visible and you're talking about it, this is fundamentally helping, right? I have been approached to talk to schools based on the fact that I am black. I'm not offended by that in any way, shape or form. In fact, I'm pleased that people feel comfortable enough to come and approach me to do that work. Because I think that I understand what that means to the students. And I'm also recognizing then that the teachers within these establishments know that something is missing, that they fundamentally can't provide, but there are people like me out there who can help them to complete a part of that journey, to get the children stimulated thinking about these, this, these types of matters, right? So I guess a part of my challenge to you all is to consider, maybe just this week, to think about what it is that you are doing to help to create a legacy for change within physiotherapy. And the things that you are doing or not doing, are they then directly related to your everyday life? Could they be carried over? into your everyday life a little bit about a little bit like how we think about functional training you know and rehab can you carry these things over so that they then become practically possible to implement and share with our colleagues the talk also made me realize that i was somebody in a minority that goes into schools and and doing this work so I'm now working with a lady called Jessica, Jessica Laditan at the Chartered Society of Physiotherapy. And we are really pushing to try and get as many people as possible together who also might want to join me in this work of approaching schools. Now, <laughs> I guess this conversation brings me on to speak about me putting myself forwards to become a council member of the Charter Society of Physiotherapy. And in that space is me thinking about the fact that if we can get into our students early enough, soon enough, 
we wouldn't necessarily then be having to have the conversations in our workplace that we are now and will continue to do for quite some time to come. I will tell you now that there are some workplaces that these conversations around ethnicity, uh, around racism are not actually happening. They are not happening in some places. And I will also say that whilst we think that it's very openly happening in London, where, you know, things are the, the sort of centre and hub for things, on the outskirts where particularly black people are the minorities, some of these conversations will be minimal. And if you've had the opportunity to listen to my podcast with Arnie Puntus, you will be able to just hear some of the evidence around this. So... I guess I'm saying to, to people, if you are somebody who owns a business, if you work within the NHS, even if you don't have people of colour working in your company, this is still an important conversation to have. These conversations are still important to have. You know, out of sight is not out of mind, should not be out of mind, right? These conversations around race, around ethnicity, around inclusion, around diversity still need to happen wherever it is that you're working. These are the things, these are the imprints for a legacy for change. And what I also think around this as a topic is the workplace then becomes a more comfortable place to be in for everyone. Now, there was a conversation on Twitter that was exploring freedom, freedom of speech. Um, I think the conversation was something to do with if you didn't have to worry about your bills and you wanted to say something to people in a position of power, um, you'd just be more free to do so, right? And within that conversation, I expressed that some people have more freedom of speech than others. So consider this. If you think that you are someone who is struggling with the freedom of your speech, please consider your colleagues of colour. Please consider your colleagues from... Um, different minority groups whose freedom to speak is then also even more restricted. That is the truth. And even if you are someone who thinks that you give your colleagues the freedom to speak, if you don't receive what they are saying openly or don't at least allow the opportunity for discussion, their freedom is being restricted. You are restricting their freedom. I guess, you know, with a topic that seems so sensitive, a legacy for change, and even when I think about the situations that surround the day in terms of Stephen Lawrence, I remember where I was. I remember hearing it on the news, and I remember the conversations, some of the conversations that were happening in my household when I heard the news. And maybe as a nation, 
did we make enough of it this year? Did we make enough of the day? Did we talk about it enough? Have some of us thought about it enough? I know when I did my video in relation to the black tile, which was initiated by Natasha Mills, some of you may or may not know, I know that the video I did there struck a chord for so many clinicians. And we really must consider why that is. I think it's okay to feel uncomfortable and sensitive around this as an issue, as a, as a matter. But with that same discomfort, we almost need to utilize that discomfort to be proactive about how we create a legacy for change for everyone within our workplace, for the allies, for all the people of different minority groups. And I guess my hope is one day, I won't be around when that day occurs, that we won't need to have the groups because we will all realize that we come from one group as a human race. We won't be talking about this as a topic within physiotherapy because we will have made enough changes within our lives and our lifestyles that we will be so much more accepting of all of our differences, so much more embracing of those things that make us unique and distinct. Do you know where I'm coming from? I also think that if you are someone who is not of color, I say not of color, if you're a white person and you're, you're non, I say non-black, you too can still go and speak in schools. You still have a story. You still work with people of color, potentially. You still have a journey and lessons to share with our upcoming communities. A lot of the time we are saying one thing in a whole conversation and it's that one thing that somebody needs to hear that makes the difference to their own personal journey to their own development, personally and professionally. And I put it to you like this. When you go to get a review about something, you know, those of us that are in private practice, like I am, if you want somebody to do a Google review for you, who doesn't want a five out of five review? Everybody wants a five out of five review. When those reviews keep coming, and they're all five out of five, that's telling you that you're doing the right thing. It's telling you that what you're doing, you're doing it well. There may be some elements of feedback within that. After a while, you stop looking at the reviews, or maybe you don't take so much notice because you're expecting them all to be five star. But you bet your bottom dollar, the moment you get one star, that's the star you're focused on. What did that person say? 
if they said anything at all? How did they say it? Was there room for growth? Now you're having a bad day because you know the patient, the person, the corporation who's given you that star. I feel like we need to think about these conversations in terms of these stars being positive, but we then must make a note not to ignore them. And I think that someone who gets consistent five stars, the person who is taking on board the feedback is someone who is then commenting back to those people on the five star. Thanks for your comment. If there's anything else that we could do to help or make the journey even better, please let us know. How can we make employees' journeys five-star? And if it's four, how can we make it five? How can we improve them? There is no point in people being told that they've got the freedom to contribute in a meeting, in a team meeting, or feeling like they've got the freedom, but then the person on the receiving end does nothing to help or influence the change for the future. One person raising an issue now is probably somebody's issue three, four, five months, weeks, years down the line if it's then not addressed at that time. You might not be the manager then, but you might be. So my question to you all is what are you doing to drive towards a legacy for change? How does that look, even if it feels slightly uncomfortable to you at the moment? And if any of you would like to have a conversation with me about some of the things that I have discussed within this podcast, please feel free to reach out, leanne at distinctphysiotherapy.com. I've also included my details, my contact details within the title of this podcast. I will be back on the second Tuesday of next month. I do have a wonderful guest with me exploring value, that's all I'm going to say. And actually in my mind, some of it will feed beautifully off what I've been talking about today. Not because it directly reflects, but because I think that when we appreciate and cherish the value of each other, our working lives and our lives outside of work will be fruitful, productive, energetic, and mindful. Thanks for listening to Just Me for 30 minutes. I appreciate your time and I look forward to hearing from you and seeing you next month. Take care.